Broadcasting live from Los Santos, eight years running, this is Pop Culture Reference, your one-stop reference for all things pop culture. I'm one of your hosts, Garrett Strother. And I'm your other host, Seamus Connolly. And surprise, again this week, we're not covering the thing that we said we were covering because we just have an absolutely bananas news week this week. Our main segment is no longer going to be the Netflix film Kate, starring Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Instead, it is going to be the absolutely massive PlayStation showcase that was held earlier in the week. Yeah, again, a little bit of an audible play being run here, but man, were we like in, like blown away by this showcase. I The last couple PlayStation events have been a little lackluster, but this one was a powerhouse, so we've, we've got a lot to say. And we've got news coming up first, so let's go ahead and jump right into it. Michael Kenneth Williams, most known for his role of Omar Little on the HBO series The Wire, has passed away at age 54, and he was a absolutely transcendent actor in one of the best roles probably ever put on television. I think a lot of people are comparing him right now to Gandolfini which is a completely warranted comparison, I would say. Have you watched The Wire, Seamus? I have not seen a single episode of The Wire, but I've I've heard absolutely nothing but an outpour of genuine, genuine praise from Omar is his character? Omar Little, yeah. Like, absolute fan favorite. Like, 100% iconic television character of the decade from, from what I've been seeing. And I've always wanted to watch The Wire, but... I, I just, I, for whatever reason, I never got around to it, but I've, I've heard nothing but incredible things about it. Well, he is not the main character, but I would say he's definitely the standout character on that series in a series completely full of amazing, complicated characters. Of course, he was also on lots of other really good series beyond The Wire. You know, he was in... um. Lovecraft Country, very recently. I think he was a lead on Boardwalk Empire, a show oh, I have no yet kidding. to watch. On the sillier side, like he, he had a a stint in the later seasons of Community. I think he was he was a professor for a season. He was very, very good in that, funny, and like incredibly well done with his dark straight man stuff. No, he's great on Community. I think he's one of the better professor guest stints that they have oh for sure yeah very memorable i always think about his line about legos he's like when i went to prison they were simple what happened now they're so big and they're so expensive (laughs) he's asking that at like the end of a biology class (laughs) yeah yeah definitely very very well done see i really recommend you check out the wire seamus because he gives an amazing performance. I think a lot of people say that that's the best character ever on television, and I wouldn't go that far, but I would say he's up there. Yeah, I definitely. That was the Wire was the same era as like Breaking Bad, right? Like that of just like crime. No, pre-Breaking Bad. Pre-Breaking it was, like, Bad. It started right after The Sopranos. Oh wow, that's honestly a lot older than I thought The Wire was. Yeah, it was like I think it started in '99 along with The Sopranos. It might have started in 2000. Went until, like, 2005 or whatever. Well, definitely, I know that's, that's when people talk about, like, prestige television, The Wire is often brought up. So, that's that's HBO, right? That's... Oh, yeah. yeah. HBO was killing it back then. Yeah, seriously, wow. All right, 
I that is that settles it. I need to get on the wire. I I need to add it to my roster of rotating TV shows that is growing longer. Also, I would feel remiss if we didn't talk about the fact that I keep reading all this amazing stuff about what Michael K. Williams did just as a guy, all the charity work he did. Oh yeah. Um also Omar is a uh, this isn't really a spoiler for the wire, but Omar is a gay man, and oh. I think at that time having this prestige television character who was like really tough, masculine, but also gay, and that was a big part of his character, was really revolutionary and part of the reason that he has resonated with audiences for so long. And I know that Michael K. Williams off screen as well was a big proponent for um, LGBT voices. Damn, I, I honestly, I didn't know that about the character or uh, about him as a person, but that is, that's uh, genuinely heartwarming to know, truly. But shall we move on to some other news, Seamus? Yeah, up up next we've got another weird left turn. Venom 2 has dragged itself back and moved its release date up to October 11th following the success of Shang-Chi in theaters. And yeah, Shang-Chi is doing incredibly well. I think the hubris that Sony has to think that they can <laughs> recapture that success is kind of cute. I, I don't even know if it's hubris as much as, like, they have, like, a accounting department that is doing all the Moneyball-style math of, like, even if this movie flops, if we release it enough, people will see it in theaters now that it's worth it. But are they trying to beat people back to the movies? Do you think that was, like, the they were... Because they, on, like, Sunday after Shang-Chi came out, they were like, oh, Venom, it's going back, it's going back, don't worry. Um, and Do you think they were anticipating a bunch of studios moving their releases up? Or that? maybe they're even thinking, like, people are, like, looking at Shang-Chi, people are comfortable enough to go to the movies again, and we need to get this out as soon as possible in case movie theaters shut back down for a variant reason. We need to slate it in where we know we can get a sweet spot of ticket sales before we have to just then, I guess, slate it for streaming, direct to streaming. The symbiote in the hand is worth two in the stream. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, my goodness. It, does your confidence in this movie change at all based on their willingness to just throw around release dates? No. No. <laughs> I have no interest in this movie, Seamus. And I, I, it would take a lot to get me interested in this movie. I just, like, I do not care. I think if they released it today on streaming for free, I'd watch it. But other than that, like, they, yeah, exactly. There's not if much that's going to... paradoxed it, if yeah, they were like, it's yeah. on Disney Plus right now, go. Exactly. If they did that, that might get me to do a little double feature. But I'm not... I'm not like, oh, tight, I get to see Venom 2 sooner at the theaters now, you know, I'm still, I'm still pretty over it. Maybe, maybe it'll come out and it'll blow everybody's minds and we're gonna drag ourselves to a Wednesday matinee and, and be the only ones in the theater and be like, what? This is insane, <laughs> it's a revelation. Uh, I would love nothing more for the Venom movies to be good, like, I remember when they announced the first one and I was like, oh... I, I like Venom as a character from what I know. Obviously, Topher Grace had his moment, and that was maybe not the best interpretation, <laughs> so we'll get another chance here. And, you know, I I wish they were, at least the first one was better, so if this next one is actually good, I, I'll be very happy. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I think that, I do not think this is going to mark a big rush to move up release dates. I, I think that Sony might have thought it was, but I don't think that we're going to see a 
bunch of other movies moving up. Yeah, I, I think, think we could see a few from like I know there's a lot of big movies coming out in December that it wouldn't surprise me if a couple of them moved up to November or something like that. But I mean, with so many things, point like No Time to Die and Venom coming out the same weekend, right? Or like very close, within a few days of each other. Yeah, that's going to start a cascade of huge studio films that have been delayed, like basically through the end of the year. I think that's a pretty solid theory. So yeah, we'll 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 keep appraised. I think this is maybe close to the end of our continual release date news for every movie <laughs> hopefully not to say that the the pandemic is is slowing in any way but just i think studios have stopped caring is more what i'm they definitely care less like we said shang chi was a pretty big success they're breaking like some records here million dollar opening weekend or something crazy yeah like, like hasn't been heard of like in a long times. time yeah seriously seriously up next, though, a announcement that I am excited for all of you for, but I haven't much to say myself. <laughs> a Bob's Burgers movie has been announced for Memorial Day 2022 on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, man, I'm a huge Bob's Burgers guy. That's you know, I'm, I'm always in for a John Benjamin project in general, but Bob's Burgers specifically is some of the most, you know, belly-laughing... But still, like, very wholesome feeling comedy animations. Like, it can still be considered something of, like, a an adult animated series. But I could, like, watch it with my whole family. It's, it's genuinely funny without being that awfully over the top. And this movie has been teased for so long that I'm very happy to finally see that it's kind of... It's actually coming around. Well, I've never watched Bob's Burgers and... I kind of need a 30-minute sitcom that I could just pop on and not be super invested in or worry about binging or anything, but still enjoy. So, oh, dude, maybe that... I'll give it a watch and we could cover it for the show. That would be fantastic, dude. You'd, you'd really enjoy it. Plus, it's it's to me, I can compare it to like a like a 30 Rock or an Office or a Parks and Rec, where once you do like watch the whole thing, like having that background or just throwing it on regularly without paying much attention is like some of the most golden states of that show just because any given joke that they throw out there is like it hits real well and i don't know the animation is real goofy they really they they stay kind of wholesome but still have these wacky adventures that are are definitely pushing the envelope in a certain type of way it's 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 fantastic well i'm excited to check it out but coming up next we have the first trailer for Matrix Resurrections. This was the fourth installment of the Matrix franchise and the first one in quite a long time. I was reading that this is a this is a thing that's I think going to blow your mind shape it's like it blew mine. The amount of time that has passed between this film being released and the first Matrix being released is the amount of time between the Phantom Menace being released and the first Star Wars being released. Oh my god, that is very weird. That is... That's a long time. Oh my god. And this trailer, as somebody who only has seen the first Matrix film, I didn't get, you know, a lot of what was going on in that I understand what the Matrix is, I understand who the characters are, and through cultural os osmosis I have some awareness of what happens in the sequels. 
but I don't understand plot-wise what's happening. However, I do think that this movie looks incredibly visually compelling. I think that the Wachowski sisters are back on their A-game, it looks like to me. Because I know they've had some, you know, what was the Channing Tatum is a Weird Goat Man movie? Uh, I have no idea what you're talking about, dude. Channing Tatum is a Weird Goat Man movie? The last Wachowski movie that came out, to my knowledge, before they went over to TV and did Sensate, was Mila Kunis and Channing Tatum. It's like a space movie. It's like a futuristic space opera. And Channing Tatum is a goat man with, like, rocket boots. (laughs) What are you talking about, dude? This is insane. I'll look look up the title because (laughs) I... I see it but it was supposed to not be very good but it also looked kind of insane so i like a crazy high concept weird fantasy sci-fi thing i mean and like you were saying i think this trailer for this new matrix project looks you know big budget action movie with a lot of fun inceptiony stuff going on lots of cool angles switching between doorways doing wild flips it's it's very classicy matrix with seemingly a bajillion more dollars behind it. I think it looks really good. Plus, did you pick up that they seem to be walking through a space that has a bunch of projections on the wall of the actual first movie of The Matrix? Well, I mean, when's the last time you watched The Matrix, man? Because, like, isn't the whole thing that in The Matrix is basically just a big old video game? Like, yeah, they but would I'm just be. Saying, they would have weird. It's like the. It's not. It's just. It looks very strange. It looks. <laughs> I'm assuming it's going to have. Just like The Matrix has a lot of interesting meta narratives. Oh, also, that movie I looked it up is called Jupiter Ascending. Oh, um, I have heard of that. But just like The Matrix has a lot of big meta themes and a, a meta narrative running throughout it, I, I'm assuming this movie is going to carry that on and be a movie about itself. You know, and about the legacy of the Matrix franchise. For sure, dude. I mean, like, I have only seen up to the second Matrix movie, but I do know that, like, the climax of the sequel has a very... How to even put this? Like, I guess it's a little bit of a spoiler for you who hasn't seen it. It's like a 20-year-old movie, but, like, the, the idea of, like, this cycle and, like, the unstoppable nature of these like weird robot overlords and how they've like allowed neo to do things against them because it's happened a million times before with different chosen ones and from what this i never saw the third one from but what what this new trailer makes it look like is that he's once again stuck in the matrix of course and that he's lost his memory he's taken a thousand blue pills seamus yeah man he's really equal uh, equalizer no equilibrium equilibriuming himself (laughs) with blue pills that or viagra put a lot of product oh yeah oh yeah uh it could be keanu's getting up there man there's no shame in it you know (laughs) you don't think he's a damn sex god he's 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 doing his thing (laughs) man do you see that long hair well, he, I think he looks really good, and I think Carrie Ann Moss, who I didn't know was going to be in this movie, but I kind of assumed was, also looks really good, and I'm excited yeah. to see them back together. Yeah, definitely. I feel like I haven't seen her since uh, Daredevil, was it? I think or she was Jessica, on Jessica Jones. Jones. That's I what it was. Was she somebody's boss on Jessica Jones? Yeah, she was like, uh, like a big lawyer lady, and like she hired Jessica. Maybe I haven't watched Jessica Jones in a long time. No, but yeah, she was good in That's that. Good show, she, she's good in those uh, Matrix movies. I mean, Trinity is badass. I'm sure they're, like, oh yeah, with the crazy stunts they've done in the those past three, I'm sure they're going to go wild with some of these cool fight scenes. I'm very excited to see what they could pull out well, with I the mean, full force of what they're... 
you know, have been probably thinking about for a while. In this trailer, Trinity and Neo jumping off the top of that building, that looked pretty real to me. That looked like that didn't... I know CGI is so seamless now, but, like, that looked like a practical stunt in some capacity to me. I would like to see a little bit of those practical stunts mixed in. I mean, I know a lot of the original one is a lot of wires and a lot of, uh, like, squibs and, like, practical bullet and explosion effects. I hope it's not too computered out. I know the sequels are a little guilty of that in general, but that, you know, that was... Nobody really cares about the other two Matrix sequels as far as I know. They weren't as good as the first one, so... Well, we should do... We should dust off the old pop culture recap branding. Oh, yeah. For when this new one comes out and do a proper pop culture recap of those first three. I'd be down for that. I would finally get to watch the third one because I guess I have always been curious about that. But but yeah, I'll see this new Matrix. I'll, I'll, I'll be happy to re- rewatch the first few and finally watch the third one. I'm, I'm interested to say the least. I just like Keanu, I guess. Well, sure. I, I, I liked that first Matrix movie. I, mean, I wasn't the first super one's good. impressed with it, with it when I first saw it, and then it's grown on me, I think. Because I think when I was, like, young and dumb, I was like, nothing is in The Matrix that hasn't been done better by other movies. Which I still maybe stand by, but I really like it as a vibe. And I appreciate sure. that it has its own... Especially now in the age of uh, tonal homogeny of blockbusters, I like that The Matrix looks distinct and has this really interesting color palette and especially i mean this movie looks so good this trailer for the new one yeah seriously really rich colors high contrast um interesting lighting like we like there's shadows in this movie what is the last time you saw a movie with shadows Seamus? uh drive i don't know <laughs> blade runner 2049 yeah there you go is the last movie i could think of two goslings two goslings Gosling loves those shadows. To robot replicate. <laughs> God, I don't know, man. This this Matrix, I'm into it for sure. I think I'm I'm a little jarred by the young Morpheus slash Morpheus's son slash whatever they're doing there because Lawrence Fishburne is not in this trailer, nor is Hugo Weaving as Agent Smith. But uh, and again, we don't know what happens in the third movie. So that's true. They could both be dead. They could both or deleted also, or whatever. Like, can Agent? Sp- I thought Agent Smith couldn't die. I thought that was the whole thing. Is that he like he's a Hydra? If you cut off, yeah, his, yeah. <laughs> two more Agent Smiths come back. Oh man, I'm. We should really watch those sequels together because there's a there's a fight scene in the second one which is no better looking than a ps2 game it is truly enthralling where there's like a bajillion <laughs> is, is of him leo fighting all the asians yes with the the pole fight it's so yeah. it's so bizarre well we'll we'll do that we'll do that triple feature seamus yes we'll do a pop yes, yes, yes. i'm into that it'll be great but what do you say we move on over to our biggest chunk of news slash our main segment for the week i am so excited to talk about the playstation showcase well this week we've got the playstation showcase we're running down pretty much everything if not the most exciting things this has been like the best playstation virtual event in probably since the ps5 reveal um definitely yeah. yeah, I I was blown away just like from start to fit like I I made gasps that shouldn't come out of a human person, Garrett. There was some things I was not expecting at all out of this showcase. Were were they related to a, something rhyming with North Nevin? 
Oh my god, I saw, alright, so, interior, PlayStation Showcase, black screen. When that LucasArts logo came up, I was like, alright, we got a 50-50 chance here of, like, <laughs> Indiana Jones, or it's gonna be, like, Fallen Order 2 or something something like that. Oh, when it came up, I thought it was going to be Fallen Order 2. If it, if it had been Indiana Jones, that would have been something because, you know, you know, he's developing that. Who's developing that? Bethesda. So it's probably going to be Xbox. Oh, God. Yeah, we did talk about that. That still that makes me anxious. But but we got the teaser reveal of what's been rumored for a long time. The Knights of the Old Republic remake is coming as a timed exclusive to PlayStation 5. I am so excited. I have never played Knights of the Old Republic. I have only heard fantastic things. And, you know, you look at these remakes, ground-up remakes over the last few years especially. Like, you look at the Final Fantasy VII remake especially, I think, and how they're able to keep the soul and story of these old games alive while reinvigorating the gameplay and graphics and response time and all of that stuff. I think that the idea of a true AAA Knights of the Old Republic remake sounds like the perfect opportunity for me to be able to jump into that world. I'm so excited for you, man. I, I, I'm I sure you know a good amount. Like, there's the, quote-unquote, the big twist of Knights of the Old Republic that I, I know a lot of people already know about that. Once again, we're going to have to... I actually don't know if I know what you're talking about. Oh, so that's my gosh. outstanding. Oh, boy. You've got a good time ahead of you then, because my God. Yeah, it, there, it's one of the biggest twists of a Star Wars thing, which I've thoroughly enjoyed. I... I cannot wait. Oh, somebody is somebody's parent, Seamus. <gasps> uh, well, mm, you don't know. You don't know what's coming, buddy. You don't know. Oh, I, I, when I first got my hands on Knights of the Old Republic, I pretty much tried it once and tossed it to the side because I was too young to appreciate, uh, like turn-based combat and like not being able to directly you know, kind of have that freedom of movement and choice besides, like, picking the attacks and targets. It's a little more uh, tabletop, D20-inspired gameplay for that original. So I'm honestly thoroughly expecting a complete overhaul of that combat system, of the, the like, the gameplay, like, levels of gameplay themselves. There's a lot of different, like, ship stuff, driving vehicles, things that were a lot more rudimentary back when it first came out, but now I'm just the... It's limitless in my mind, the the options that they have to update this for, for modern players, and... Well, I don't know if you heard, Seamus, but with PlayStation, play has no limits. Oh, so. you... Sh- what, who's paying you? Who's paying you to say that here? Like we're not already doing the PlayStation <laughs> showcase for the whole episode. <laughs> God. Oh, man. But just in general, it was a tease. We got no release dates or anything besides the reveal itself. It just, it makes me thoroughly excited. It, to me, says that they're going to be bringing this Knights of the Old Republic lore into more of the main canon again. They like, did, I think they implied that they weren't. Because they had a whole line at the beginning about how we know that even though these stories aren't in the realm of what we've been doing with Disney and will continue to not be, that they're still important to Star Wars fans and that we want to honor that. Well, I mean, I guess I meant more of like, there are smaller references 
to those games in like something like well, The Mandalorian or I think in even like Rise of Skywalker, there's a Revan mention. Yeah, I was gonna say I think Revan is technically canon. So Right. And they, you know. they wrote some books since those games came out about Revan that people were kind of unhappy with that are in the new canon that, you know, may or may not rear its head in this well, remake, but what they said is that they're going to adhere to the original story and they're not going to let the new canon get in the way of it, basically. Oh, well, that is a fantastic thing to hear. I mean, so much of those games are, like, thematically about those very important choices that you make and the multiple endings are so important to the full scope of the story as well. So I'm glad they're keeping that in mind. I know there's a lot of, uh, uh, whatever you call it, uproar that one of the head writers once said something positive about ray and people are like they're gonna ruin it with feminism you you know yeah it's that's a whole thing but i'm so entirely confident that this is just gonna be a fantastic remake i think that also means to me that knights of the old republic 2 remake is you know coming down the pipeline at some point i think we'll see how this one sells seamus yeah i guess that's fair i just they're the originals in their state now that you can get them on like steam you need to download like mods on mods just to get them to run properly and even then there's so many glitches that get in the way it's it's a it's kind of great that they're remastering it just for that sake well, this will probably be like a day one buy for me, and I'm not normally a person that is like, I need to get the game at release, but as a Star Wars person who has this huge blind spot in such a popular Star Wars property, I'm really excited to be able to try it out. And just a quick, sad shout-out, I'm, I'm sad that this news comes just a little bit after our news about uh, Ed Asner, who won't be able to reprise his role as Master Vruk in this game, is what I assume. Oh, we didn't even... Did we talk about Ed Asner? We did last week, didn't we? Yeah, we did. We did. We did. Yeah, yeah. I I didn't bring it up when we when we talked about him just because it's such a I'm sure such a small spot in his sparkling career. But you know, now knowing that this remake this remake was right around the corner anyway, I'm I'm sad that he may not have been able to record uh his lines if he were uh, if he was going to choose to reprise his role. Yeah, that's a shame. But full hype train. Let's get it. It's going to be fantastic. I can't wait to hear your opinion. If you have 10 bucks, the app, the iOS app of the original game is honestly one of the best ways I've ever played it. It's just like you know, glitch-free and very clean. So if you want to get I'm that gonna, original I experience... Point, I think we're going to wait for the remake. That's fair. I think that that sounds like the best experience I can have at the moment, you know? Yeah, and just... Uh, to yeah. experience the full scope of that story. <laughs> I think... I that's think, what's important to me is the story. Yes, I. you've got it. Wait for that remake... Maybe if you if you get curious, go play the old one after, but like it's I have high hopes, truly, especially for it being exclusively on the next gen systems. I know it's ex- a timed exclusive for PS5, but is going to be coming to PC and Xbox as well, I believe, later. So it's going to be it's going to look incredible. It's going to run like like smooth as anything. I'm I'm hyped. Me too. But let's move on to one of the other games showcased, Tiny Tina's Wonderlands, a game that I had no patience for the trailer for and could not <laughs> wait until it was over. You weren't into that? I, I had fun with it. It looks like fantasy Borderlands, you know? It, it, I mean, I literally was like, is this Borderlands for half the trailer? <laughs> Me too. Um, but, but yeah, it's got the cell shading. It's got the same type of humor. It's got the emphasis on guns. 
I just thought the voice acting for the Tina, for tiny was so Tina herself, that I couldn't because I was like, this game actually looks pretty fun. I just can't stand this character. I didn't mind, you know. I I totally missed the boat on Borderlands. Like I've never played one ever, and I am a you know my first rec center ever was Dungeons and Dragons. So this is kind of right up my alley. I didn't I didn't find the. You know, the voice acting too grating, I'm sure if that's like a, a constant as the what looks like the DM you know, of this in game. Tiny Tina's Wonderland yeah. where she's the DM <laughs> for this campaign. Yeah, I don't know. I for whatever reason I didn't find her too annoying, so maybe I will still check this one out. Do you think that's gonna deter you from picking this up? Um yes. I think the only <laughs> pl- way I will play this game is if it's a PS plus pick up <laughs> or if there's an option to turn off narration or something yeah if they're like get rid of all of the humor <laughs> in the game by turning off this button and then uh, it's just a shooter yeah i i sometimes i get turned off by the like super emphasis on loot systems but i think the idea that it's supposed to be this big fourth wall humor aspect of the game is gonna give me a little more patience for that kind of grind yeah, I mean, like, I again, I think the gameplay looks fun and Borderlands-y, yeah. but different enough. Um, and the idea of, you know, they ha- they make the joke in the trailer of, like, it's a fantasy game with guns, and I think that's <laughs> a cool aesthetic. Yeah, that's fun. I don't know. I I'll... think Tiny Tina's so annoying <laughs> that I won't do it. I'll pick it up first, and then I'll let you know how prevalent she is in the game, <laughs> which I'm sure is going to be very, <laughs> and then, depending, you'll, you'll see if you want to try it. Maybe it's a psycho twist, and they kill off Tiny Tina a third of the way through the. Ooh, through the bam! Game. There it is. You become the DM. And there's no DM, and you're like, oh, what do we do now? Oh. oh, there it is. That's how you get stuck in the Wonderland or something. You know what? What Wonderland I am interested in getting stuck in? What's that? The new Square Enix Forspoken game. I think looks really rad. Yeah, I thought that looked really cool. I'm glad it's a a fully new IP. I've never heard of Forspoken before or, you know, heard of this development of this game. I'm very intrigued by the trailer. It looks like it's going to be an interesting story with, like, almost God of War-style combat to me is what it looked like. That's what it looks like to me, too, yeah. Which I'm all for Hack and slashy, but, like, God of War 4 hack and slashy. Yeah, it's still, like, more over-the-shoulder. It's not, like, that full third-person camera angle, it looks like. It still kind of has that, like, directed, because there's, like, magic, and you upgrade your powers, it looks like, kind of RPG style. And, you know, the story, who doesn't like a modern-day teen getting sucked into a fantasy world and not being able to get out? That's uh, that's just classic, classic fun. And I think the production design of the actual world that we'll be spending time in looks outstanding. Totally, man. I'm, it's like everything is designed in such an interesting and kind of fresh-feeling way, even though it's still, like, recognizably very high fantasy. And I think that the fact that this is all new, original game ideas, and we didn't necessarily get a ton in this trailer. I'm I'm going to be looking forward to the surprises that something like this brings. And maybe, who knows, maybe it'll be a, a new big old franchise. It is Square Enix. They do love to make those. Yeah, I'll be keeping my eye on this for sure. It almost seems like a nice mix between Square Enix's high concept RPG stuff and something more grounded and narrative focused. Uh, I mean, not that RPGs aren't narrative focused. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, a little um, more linear. But like, like on rails, like a Tomb Raider. Sure, yeah, like a, a 
little bit of that freedom, but still a little more of a contained map, maybe. I guess we don't know that for sure yet. Um, but, you know, like you said. It's Jedi Fallen Order. You have to cross yeah. <laughs> every single everywhere, and it sucks, and you hate it. It's the worst <laughs> part of the game. Uh, you know I played that game for three days straight after Christmas, and platinum did immediately loved every damn second of it i i i like that game and i hate the way the <laughs> levels are structured i hate it uh from software style you don't like grinding the same exact enemies a hundred times in a row it's not even that it's the fact that it's the fake open world I, we should we'll cover jedi fallen order someday so oh, I yeah won't get too much into this but like the weird fake open world where they make you backtrack a ton and there's no fast yeah. travel and oh it's yeah just like I just want to go back and I get I want to get the stupid canister and I don't want to get lost for 30 minutes doing it. Is it the the Kashyyyk forest levels? Jesus god, you get lost forever in there. Zepho, that's just a maze. <laughs> oh, like god. Just, so this game looks like it could have that kind of level structure to me and I hope it doesn't. Is basically what I'm saying. Yeah, hopefully it, I I I don't get me wrong, I love a good open world game. I love a game that's like narratively driven and way more on the rails as if you're playing a story you know that used to be a lot more prevalent i think and then the modern era of gta like five basically said hey everything needs to be open world and everything needs to have a crafting option i know that's not really a big thing in gta but i feel like i've seen both of those in every modern game i mean we'll come back to this later but i think god of war 4 like we mentioned is the perfect balance between like having open world elements but still being an on-rails, narrative-driven game, you have choice, and you can choose mm -hmm. at what pace you want to go with the story. And not to mention... But you still have pleasures of an open world. Yeah, exactly. Like, I was I was just going to say, like, there are these moments of travel, these, these times where you kind of have this downtime to... I'm trying to remember the name of the head guy. Mimir. Mimir. Yeah, I was going to say Tyr, but I know that's the new well, guy. We're going to have to talk. Here, let's save as much of our God of War. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Can, okay. <laughs> I just, I, I basically agree with what you're saying. Forspoken, it's going to be interesting. I hope that it's it kind of hits because that trailer definitely has me interested in, uh, for, a, for a new IP, it has me more interested in something than like Tiny Tina's. Yeah, this is the game that's not a sequel that they showcased that I'm the most interested in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, we'll we'll definitely keep an eye on that. I'm I'm excited. Up next, a game that I think looks like a bizarre half step, <laughs> Rainbow Six Extraction, which yeah. is just the it's the operators from Rainbow Six Siege, but but now they're fighting zombies. Yep. Alien zombies that are in the same like weird houses and bunkers from the other games. I mean, yeah, it, it, this feels like DLC for Siege that just that like, is exactly that's exactly what it feels like. Like this was an expansion concept that they were like, well, let's just make it next year's game. Like let's just make that a full thing. We'll keep it, you know, on the live update roster for a couple years to like give everybody a new zombie type or a new character to play as every couple months and. I remember hearing the rumors about this like years ago and being like, oh, I like the mechanics of Rainbow Six. Zombies are always fun, but now it looks like weird alien zombies with like brute types and like different things that's a lot more out there than just like what I was imagining, I guess. I mean, it looks teamwork and strategy based, which I like because that's what Rainbow Six is built on. You know, I like that they're 
applying the Rainbow Six mentality to yes. the zombie genre. Very tactical it's still. Not very, where you're yeah. just shooting and you don't have to do... You, like, the idea of using the different teammates' skills strategically to have to make your way through a level, almost like Walking Dead style, sounds really, really cool to me. Yeah, and, and I'm, sh- I'm sure they're going to have a lot of fun different game modes between, like, maybe playing as zombies protecting an area against zombies versus like infiltrating an area with zombies i'm sure they're gonna have a specific wave mode to try to rival what i assume call of duty vanguard is gonna have in their own zombies mode yeah i just um i don't really know if this premise is enough to get me to buy it though i don't think i would spend Mm-hmm. 70 bucks to just do Rainbow Six but zombies. Yeah, I think I'm there with you. I think this idea sounded cooler than maybe this trailer was, and they oh, yeah. have plenty the of time no personality. to... Yeah, right? I, it felt like they... Like we like we said, it feels like an expansion that just kind of took on its own life, and maybe as like a twenty dollar DLC for Siege, that would have been an interesting idea. But this, uh, I don't know. I feel like maybe the more traditional Rainbow Six stuff is where the heart of that series is, and expanding out like this might not go as they're planning. Well, if they do a free weekend or something like COD likes to do, I'll definitely try it. Yeah, oh yeah, I'll, I'll give it a shot if, if I get the opportunity, but like you said, at a $70 full price price point, it's just, it's not really on my radar right now. Seamus, tell me what is on your radar. The thing that I've been waiting for for so long, Garrett, the rumors are confirmed October 5th, the Alan Wake remaster for the very first time on PlayStation, and I could not be more excited. This is maybe, besides Knights of the Old Republic, uh, one of the things that got me the most excited about this entire showcase. Yeah, I mean, you know I recently started Control, and it's going to take a backseat for Horizon right now because they finally dropped the 60 frames per second PS5 patch. Of course, of course. But I am definitely interested in Alan Wake as a brand, and kind of like Knights of the Old Republic, I'm really excited at the idea of being able to experience that classic for the first time. Yeah, and once again, just like we were talking about with Knights of the Old Republic, Xbox exclusive slash PC exclusive for the longest time until now, and... I, it's just been many years since I've been able to play it considering my PC can't run it without glitching the hell out and I don't own an Xbox. Like you were mentioning Control, it's part of this Remedy, Alan Wake, Control-verse that is just like weird and expanding and with these huge plans that Remedy has for the future of this bizarre franchise, it's... It's just incredible that we're finally going to get a a modern, workable, playable version of what really started it all. And I mean, the graphics don't look amazing, but I also understand this is an old game that they're (laughs) slapping on the PS4 and PS5. Yeah, definitely the... It's going to shine in the action pieces because a lot of what makes this game at least so hard to play on my equipment is that there's a lot of playing around with shadows and darkness and light are like incredibly big, important themes and tools in the game itself. So when you can not really handle those shadows and light and darkness the way that the game is meant to be played, it's very hard to get that kind of experience. So the cutscenes will probably look a little janky. I I have been pretty impressed when seeing them compared to the like a side by side to the original but i think in the gameplay itself it's going to be smooth as butter and just like ooh, so so perfect 
Yeah, and I don't mind that. I'm not a graphics snob at all. Yeah, so. but I, I did see a lot of people having some fun looking at those screenshots because, you know, he does look a little weird, sure, but I think this is as all... As long as the story and gameplay are solid, I don't care. You oh, know yeah. that. You like, you like Twin Peaks and survival horror, then you're you're going to have a great time. Yeah, I'm pretty excited to play this one, and I hope it's at a reasonable price point so I can Oh, yeah, justify... 30 bucks full price. Nice. With okay, both so DLCs for... from the original game as well, which I'm excited wow, about. Wow, yeah. that is a good price point. Yeah, it's, it's I'm definitely, something, man. I'll definitely wait and see if I can catch it on sale slash if they make it a PS Plus. Oh, that would be interesting, because I do know that the day it's supposed to release is also, I think, the day that October's PS Plus games come out, and there's oh, well, some that's a talk. suspicious there. You know, yeah. they did it with a couple other games this year where they dropped it on PS Plus the day of release, so it's not entirely unheard of that Remedy might want as many eyes as possible for whenever they drop the Alan Wake 2 or Control 2 stuff that I'm sure they've got cooking. Well, I'm assuming that whatever happens with Control 2 will be some kind of crossover. Oh, the way they teased it in in Control, it, it very literally pretty much has to be. And there is a, another, again, Xbox exclusive slash PC only, Quantum Break, I think is what it was called. It was It's in the Alan Wake verse, in the Control verse that I've never gotten my hands on. I'd, I'd like to maybe get that on the PS5 if if that's something that they'd be willing to negotiate around, but I don't know how much more realistic that is. So Seamus, there are probably a lot of people like me that, you know, I you know I started playing Control, but I haven't played Alan Wake. Would you recommend I go back before because again, I'm going to be playing Horizon for the foreseeable future before I jump back into Control, would you recommend I pop over and play Alan Wake first, or do you think I can play Control and then play Alan Wake? I'm going to say that it's probably in your best interest to go back to Alan Wake first. Uh, In the main game of Control, there is a few smaller Alan Wake, uh, direct Alan Wake references, but once you get uh, about halfway through the game, the AWE DLC for Control unlocks as a, a thing you can start exploring, and it's pretty much 100% Alan Wake context-based, and honestly one of the best parts of the game, I would say, even as a DLC, so I think curb control for now, get your remedy, history, lore, whatever, caught up a little bit, and then revisit it again, and I think it'll maybe make a little more sense, even though Alan Wake is kind of... I mean, it was made so far before a lot of the concepts that they were working on in Control came to be, so it's a little bit of a retroactive connection, but I think it's definitely still worth it. Perfect. Thank you for that advice, and, you know, I'm sure there are a lot of people out there that haven't played either, so it's good for us to have that. Yeah, definitely, and like I said, I'm I'm hoping this sparks, uh, sparks a lot more excitement again for the old Alan Wake. There's a weird mini-sequel that I don't know if we'll ever get our hands on that came out a couple years after the original two that, you know, I'm hoping if enough people get excited on this one that we'll get to see more of that content specifically. Is it lost in the golden abyss, Seamus? Oh, dude, is that our new Patreon show, The Golden Abyss, where we find those weird little alt sequels? I mean, I think I think that's a good term for it if we... 
I think that's a great we tip for to it. Go with that. You want to? We can mention that real quick. It's not in the doc, but that they're doing a Uncharted Four slash Lost Legacy two pack PS Five remaster, four K sixty frames per second. I'm sure they're gonna slap a seventy dollar price tag on that bad boy. <laughs> oh God! And also, uh, very excitingly, the first time that they'll be available on PC as well, but not the yes. original three, which is an interesting choice. Uh, I have been sitting around waiting to play Lost Legacy until I get that Uncharted itch again, and now I'm like, am I gonna, am I gonna be the shill that goes and just <laughs> buy, go, I, I literally already own Lost Legacy, but am I gonna go buy this remaster anyway? Maybe. Probably. Who knows? It'll look real nice. I, I know nothing about the Lost Legacy, and I've, I've kind of been waiting for that to be a PS Plus game to really jump on, but... You know, maybe a PS5 revisit to the Uncharted verse will be fun. You want me to? You want me to sell you my PS4 copy, Seamus? No, I don't, Garrett. Thank you. I'm not that clinging on to the PS4. <laughs> uh, okay, but let's move on to a game that I think you're more excited for than I am because I'm intimidated by it. You're intimidated. Interesting. See, I when this game was first announced and we got nothing but a teaser. Uh, I think last year, around the PS5 reveal time, maybe, I was expecting something completely different, but we got some gameplay for Ghostwire Tokyo uh, yesterday, and it was one of the most bizarre things I've ever seen, and I'm incredibly excited for it. It's just first-person kung fu against, like, recognizably bizarre Japanese demon monsters. I don't know how to really articulate that well. Yeah, I think the vibe looks really cool, and I don't really have a better way to to pitch it either. I would say just go watch the trailer. Um, yeah, yeah, it's it's so bizarre. It it almost reminds me of like a Death Stranding a little bit, just in terms of like the weird. You know, we see like people dissolving in this weird gas and like being killed by some unknown supernatural force and maybe being turned into these ghost monsters. Or I think that's the implication. Yeah, is that the people that get get Thanos <laughs> yeah. are getting um, are being turned into these ghost things that you have to fight. They're turning into Japanese schoolgirl uniforms with nobody inside them, and it's it's zombies with extra steps in a lot. Yeah, kind of pretty much. But you know the the fun uniqueness of like all these weird Japanese lore based ghosts, which you know a lot of fun weird stuff there. It. Still looks bizarre enough where I really don't know much of what's happening. It just, the gameplay looks fun. I didn't realize it was going to be first person when the teaser came out, but, like, the combat of having those interesting, like, kung fu hand moves against these ghosts seems like a, a fun way to do it instead of just, like, a gun or something. Yeah, I'm interested in the changing up the gameplay, that combat. Yeah, definitely. And that's part of the thing that intimidates me is I have no idea what that's going to be like. Yeah, that'll definitely be something new. I mean, I can't remember the last time there's like a melee-based first-person game that I got into. Well, if this goes well, it looks like you've got magic too, so... Oh, yeah, definitely. If this goes well, maybe there's a they'll just make them do a Doctor Strange first-person game. Oh, yeah, that'd be... universe. <laughs> that'd be kick-ass. Oh, yeah. But, well, now that you mentioned the old Spider-Man universe, I think we should talk about Insomniac's uh, showing at this showcase... Starting with something I was completely caught off guard for and squealed in delight to see. It's a teaser for an Insomniac Wolverine game. Did we know Insomniac was developing a Wolverine game? I I mean, at least for me, that was I, it was a complete surprise. I thought it was I saw the Insomniac logo and a busted up bar, and I was like, oh, Craven the Hunter or something busted up this bar, and it's the uh, Spider-Man 2 trailer. But 
I I mean, to me at least, I never heard of them doing a Wolverine thing. My first thought was Punisher. Or when... yeah, that that was another thing that was running through my head of like, what what are they tying into Spider Man? Was what I was thinking. But yeah, I mean, this still could very well be in the Spider Man universe. Oh, I th- I mean, I at the end, I assumed so that they were kind of opening up some kind of Ultimate Alliance style. PlayStation Marvel verse that they might start bringing in more characters that aren't necessarily so associated with the MCU. Not to mention the fact that the Spider-Man games, I mean, clearly there are other superheroes in them and I wouldn't say they're super grounded by any means because we do have like Electro and, sure, and characters sure. like that. But I do think they've remained smaller scale compared to something like what a full Avengers game would be. And I think Wolverine would be a good, similar kind of... He has a large scope. He has, like, this kind of mythic status. Mm-hmm. But he's also a, ultimately a smaller-scale hero in what he can deal with. So it kind of fits, I think, the vibe of Insomniac's Spider-Man stuff going going forward. Yeah, definitely, man. Even when you think about something like the... Like, he can't fly. There's not even web-swinging equivalent for Wolverine, as far as I remember. It's gonna have to be a lot more literally grounded to the ground, running around with these claws on a on kind of a more flat plane, instead of more of that vertical idea, unless you're, like, climbing buildings with your claws, like an ice climber. I'm, assu- I'm assuming you're gonna be on your Harley. Oh, I mean, that too, but, you know, you're not riding your Harley up buildings or anything. Not yet. Seamus, not until you get rockets <laughs> on it. That's the that's the upgrade you get at the end of the game. But yeah, I I mean this again, complete surprise. I'm interested to see what they do with the character. I'm interested to see how it ties into Spider Man. I don't yeah. have any particular affinity for Wolverine, but I trust Insomniac. They seem I mean, the new Ratchet and Clank game was outstanding. Probably the game that's the most fully used the PS five that I've played so mm. far. Um, Miles Morales I really, really enjoyed as a, like, cute little spin-off to the main Spider-Man game, which I also love. And I like the fact that they, from everything I've read, turn out really high-quality products that push boundaries without treating their employees like crap. Yeah, isn't that nice to hear sometimes when a huge studio, a AAA studio like that, can, like, respect their workers? It's it's a novel idea, Seamus, and <laughs> I they just turn out stuff so fast, though. I mean, think about how quickly they did Spider-Man PS4, then uh, Spider-Man Remastered Yeah, that PS5, came out real quick. Miles Morales for PS4 and PS5, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart for PS5, and coming out soon, our next thing that we're talking about, next year, they're doing... Another Spider-Man game. Yeah, man, we got a we got a team up between old Miles and Peter Parker and the reveal of what I assume is going to be the big bad of Spider-Man 2. We get Venom up in here. Well, I just was not at all expecting any Spider-Man talk during this. No, because I was fully I, expecting it. I figured that Miles had just come out and that they would wait a little bit to do Spider-Man 2 because we've got, you know, so many other things on horizon obviously this is coming out in 2023 so we've got to wait a while right right but, i mean you think about god of war a game that was supposed to originally come out this year and we only got a trailer for spoilers during this showcase <laughs> yeah yeah so, man it's it's wholly impressive i guess i was expecting even shorter of a teaser than what we even got which was pretty pretty succinct but that's what i'm saying it's like it's crazy to me that we have like a full teaser for this game like it didn't just say spider-man 2 2023 and that was it we got like 
like voice acting and like kind of setting up a little bit of what we're what we're to expect story wise. Um, I haven't so yeah, played Miles about... Morales or anything, but I you know I'm pretty caught up on what that stuff is supposed to mean. Well, let's talk about that. I've I want to mark spoilers for the first Spider-Man PS4 game. So if you've not played that, we're gonna probably get into some story beats on that. I don't think this is going to tie into Miles Morales very directly based on what we've seen in this trailer. It could, mm. but I think it seems relatively confined now, I just to have, the stuff set up earlier. I, From what I remember from the first Spider-Man game, at the end, the like after credit scene, is what, what I remember as setting up that the symbiote was attached to Harry Osborn. 100%. But in this trailer, does Venom not have an accent when he's speaking? I don't think that's Venom. Who is this? What? Who's it going to be? I've got two theories. <laughs> and I think one of them is more likely than the other. But I kind of want it to be the one that I that I don't think is as likely. Can I guess what one of them is? Because I yeah. might have... Is it Craven the Hunter and there's oh, just a red flag or a false flag? I yeah, I think it's Craven the Hunter. That's what I 100% thought it was going to be before they revealed Venom, because I was like, oh, accent, they didn't bring him in the Sinister Six in the first game. I'm sure he's bound to show up. But what was your what was your other theory? Um, When the trailer started, and it was a guy with an accent, and I was thinking a lot about, um, you know, Silver Sable played a really big part in the first game, especially oh, in the Oh, yeah, right. Um, And Silver Sable is historically in the comics tied to um Doctor Doom. Is that right? I actually didn't know that. Th- their countries are at war. Oh, no kidding. So you think Doctor Doom is making his appearance? I don't. I think it's Craver the Hunter. <laughs> right, I think it's right, Craver right. the Hunter, but I want it to be Doctor Doom <laughs> because I think that'd be really cool. Oh, we haven't gotten enough Doctor Doom, man. But I, I think you're right. I think it's going to be Craven and Venom and who's even out there that we haven't seen yet uh, in in the in this Spider Verse. Well, I mean, Norman Osborn so far has just been a dude. Oh, yeah. They'll probably set that up at the end of this one, though. That's probably going to be Spider-Man 3 is going to be Green Goblin. Well, I think the 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 idea of somehow Harry being Venom motivating Norman to turn into the Green Goblin oh, yeah. could be really interesting. It's going to be something, it's going to be along the lines of he's developing a chemical that he thinks might, like, boost the natural immunity of his boy and he's gonna you know back to formula he's gonna try it on himself and go crazy and (laughs) you can't do this to me i don't know if you're one of those uh people that likes to complain about the mary jane levels in the first game but (laughs) in the sequence where you're sneaking around the osborne apartment you find schematics for the goblin glider and you find pumpkin goblin mask oh yeah 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 that is, I do remember that. And also, yes, I am one of the people that complains about the Mary Jane missions in that first one. Good God. I like them. I, I, pre- I prefer the Mary Jane ones to the Miles ones because they're basically the same, but I think that the Mary Jane ones are are more contained in a more interesting way. My problem with the Mary Jane ones coincide with a little bit of the lore where she's like, why are you always saving me, Spider-Man? But she's not getting out of any of those places she sneaks into without Spider-Man's help. She's caught like every time. She's got to get saved. And she's always like, you don't respect me as a journalist. He's like, you are going to get shot, man. What are you talking about? It doesn't bother me. I think. No. I, don't ah. I like that Mary Jane has agency. And also she only has to get saved by Spider-Man twice in those games, really. But that's so the- much when she's like angry that she, he's being like watching her and saving her. Seamus, it's a, it's a, 
it's a thing. It's fine. We'll talk I know, about it's that fine. More during our actual Spider-Man episode when this comes out. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I'll have played Miles Morales by then too. I'm, I'm yeah, it'll be great. We'll double up. It'll be fun. Yeah. But for the big finale of the PlayStation Showcase and our main segment, why don't we talk about the new God of War Ragnarok trailer? Boy. Boy. Ah, oh, the anger. Oh. Oh my gosh, there's there's that moment in the trailer where he says, stop thinking like a father, think like a general, and Kratos, like, erupts with oh, fatherly yeah. general anger. It's it's so good. I recommended this, the first game, The God of War 4, a few months ago for Rec Center, and I think it's not my favorite game, but I think in terms of a balance between really compelling characters and story and really compelling and fun and challenging complex gameplay it's the best game i've ever played it's like mechanically it's insane its story is so good i just i love it and i'm very happy to see okay now let's do let's do a blanket god of war 4 spoiler warning oh yeah for sure which we'll also cover when this game comes out so i'm glad to see all my boys are back um oh hell yeah sindri mimir this game would not be the same without them, and I think they know that. Um, it does make me worried. I just because I I love them, and so I don't want them to kill them, dude. I, that's my exact thoughts. Is that I think either Brock or Sindri is gonna die, and it's gonna like ignite the other one into like a magical weapon creating fury to help you beat whoever. I assume it's gonna be like a Thor or a Odin or something like that. Well, my thought was. You know, obviously, Mimir betrayed Odin. That's like his whole right. Thing. That's why he was in that tree. And he's one of the and Mimir. I I love that character. I think he's such a compelling character. And I my favorite times in God of War were just sitting in my boat with my son and my head pet, <laughs> yeah. and him telling me stories of North Norse myth. Yeah, dude. So like between just the character itself, which is entirely entertaining, and like. You've one of the most genuinely kind characters, I feel like, of just like being your faithful companion. But his role as that exposition master that fills out this world that isn't necessarily super in on the God of War lore, considering it's way more Greek mythology based, and keeping that in an entertaining and engaging way in between these big action y set pieces when you're in your canoe. It's just, it's so well done. So. I anticipate, from a storytelling perspective, that the I expect this game to be way larger and way longer than the first or the fourth, I guess, whatever. But this, in the new rebooted God of War series, right, right, and it seems to me that probably Thor will you'll open the game with that Thor fight that's teased at the end of the last game and is teased in the trailer for this game. <laughs> yeah, and then you'll probably do some questy stuff, side questy stuff. Um, like training stuff, whatever. There's some fun shots of like a dog sled. The the yeah, water Freya's is frozen. There, I'm sure that'll happen. Oh, for sure. Earlier in the game, and then I think we'll probably do like what feels like a full three act structure, but is actually just the first half of the game where it's like Thor is the big bad, and then Odin shows up. Is my suspicion. I feel like because I'm privy to the the older games, I've you know watched and played every single one. Uh. 
just the way that they like to like in the previous one where they tease Thor throughout the entire game, but not once do you even see him. I have a feeling that it's going to be a lot of similar stuff with Odin being teased and then being the big bad of what will probably be the finale game to this uh, new chapter of like the God of War stuff. Well, in my head, I'm picturing, I'm not saying Odin's going to die in this game. I'm just saying, I think uh, that, um, Odin will probably appear in this game because I think halfway through he'll probably show up and he'll probably crush Mimir under his boot. Oh yeah, we're gonna see that head pop. I think it's gonna be it's gonna they're gonna take full advantage of the gory license that they have as God of War and it's gonna be like uh oh never mind I was about to spoil some big other stuff never mind and then I think that I know I think I know probably what you were actually going to spoil but we won't talk about ah <laughs> um, uh, yeah you probably do and. I think that probably going into the third game, we're going to have Atreus. This game's going to be all about Atreus not trusting Kratos anymore. And I think that watching Mir and or Brock and Sentry die would definitely be something that would spur uh, Atreus into a spiral. And that I think he's going to be obviously as set up at the end of the first game, probably a big part of this third act of this new story and probably is going to end with a conflict between father and son. Where Kratos dies. I think I think they're... Oh, I mean, obviously, from what they set up at the end of the previous God of War, they are gearing up to pass the torch from Kratos onto somebody else, I assume. I think there's going to be that conflict of... Uh, uh, what's the boy's name again? Atreus? Yes. I think it's going to be... There's going to be a conflict between Atreus's lineage as the son of Kratos and whatever it means that he is actually Loki in this universe. I'm not sure if that means that he has some kind of lineage to Odin, if that means that his mother, Kratos's deceased wife, is some kind of descendant of the uh, Norse gods. I feel like maybe there is going to be that internal conflict that will maybe end with Atreus either killing Kratos in anger or betraying him in some way that he has to then redeem himself later. I mean, I trust them to get the story and I don't need us to flesh out, you know. Oh yeah. I mean, they're, they're going to do so they're going to do well. I think they set up a lot of interesting stuff in the last one and teased enough without showing too much in this trailer for the new one that I'm, I'm, I have a lot of faith in, in what they're going to bring. All of this to say is I think outside of the uncharted games, these have the most compelling cast of side characters I've ever seen in a video game. Yeah, and man. I am scared for my boys. <laughs> I am scared for them. I do not want them to die. Oh. And I think that they will, and it sucks. <laughs> I I think that, and now I don't remember which one's, bro, I think Sindri is the one I'm thinking of. The meek one. Yes, I think Dwarf Niles is, I think he's done for, man. I think because he's so... <laughs> I think because he's so sweet and fancy, he's gonna die in his blue brother's arms, Blue Frazier, oh, and it's gonna be heartbreaking. It's gonna be like, that's what the game is about now, is avenging your boy's death and nothing else matters. Yeah, I think that would be an interesting parallel to to probably what's going to be on. Because, I mean, the first God of War is all about parallel stories, right? It's all about um, fathers and sons and masculinity getting in the way of productivity and love and what is lineage and what do we inherit and what what do we do to protect our, our families and i mean just and so all of the stuff about in the previous games even before the god of war ps4 about the 
like paternity and the importance of Kratos's own lineage with the gods of Olympus and the way that was kind of uh put into a finale in God of War 3 since God of War Ascension was a prequel it's it's definitely thematically just incredibly satisfying and well done so yeah um other stuff in this trailer I was excited about is returning to the lake of nine I literally wooted <laughs> yeah um I'm excited about it looks like they're going to populated places like there is actually yeah inhabitants of a town like, like it looks like a fishing village yeah they go into some like more warm tropical looking environments where there's like you know, fishermen and shops maybe and well that's the thing that's so sad at the end of the first god or of god of war 4 the the last god of war <laughs> yes. installment whatever you want to call it um is that in the end game when you're just doing stuff around like nine finishing up you know, whatever, if you're trying to get that plat, trying to get the oh, yeah, whatever the, you're doing. Those, those ravens and all. It, it's snowing the whole time, and it just feels so cold and sad compared to this amazing, vibrant world that you're used to for the rest of the game. Mm-hmm. And obviously, thematically, that's going to tie in, but I'm also glad we are getting more vibrance through the rest of this game. Also, we haven't even talked about the fact that Tyr is alive and in this game, and it looks like we're going to have like a weird little proto mission at the beginning where we go and save him yeah a little breakout mission where he's like double the size of kratos um it makes me want to replay the the old one right or not the old one the last one right now because i'm like so excited (laughs) for everything that they're talking about in this trailer and everything they're showing in this trailer it's it's gonna be kick ass and i know uh, with like most of these games that we've talked about today that delays are nearly inevitable for for games of this scale but i it feels so close like it feels like it's right around the corner almost and i feel like we probably won't see this for like a year i mean isn't that what they they delayed it out till 2023 or was it 2022 when they made it 2022 but they didn't say when 2022 they just said 2022 Seems like it could but be a like, holiday game. There's snow there. Yeah, it could it could be holiday. It could, it could be a big summer release because we've got February is Horizon, right? I think so, yeah. So we'll see where this kind of falls. I'd take as much time as you need as e- far as exactly. I can. We, we say this all the time. I would so much rather have a finished, good game made in a healthy way than rush it out by Christmas or whatever, you know? Yeah, it's not good for us as players. It's not good for the studios doing that like truly barbaric crunch stuff. It's it's worth taking the time because like the God of War, the last one, will probably be a PlayStation classic for ages, and they they definitely took their time with that. I can only imagine the next the next one too. So here's hoping. I'm I think I can say we're both jazzed about that trailer, and and I've got full faith. So yeah, definitely. My highlights from this were probably what everybody's were, I would say, which is Spider-Man 2, God of War, for established IPs. And then the thing that stood out the most to me of stuff I wasn't familiar with before this showcase was the Forspoken trailer. Yeah, I am definitely between the Knights of the Old Republic teaser and the Alan Wake trailer. Just that could have been the only thing shown and I would have been happy as a clam, but... That Ghostwire footage got me real hyped, and the Wolverine teaser just caught me so off guard, I'm I'm real hyped for that too. So we're kind of all over the board, but it was a fantastic showcase. Definitely has got me very, very uh, optimistic about the future of Sony Interactive and all of these great studios that they're they're working with now. 
Are we are we coming into a true golden age of gaming, you think, Seamus? Maybe. I think, you know, you look, I see stuff like 2005 was like one of the best years of gaming of all time. But now we're, we got enough time where we're kind of less bogged down with so many Call of Duty sequels that are garbage every year. And, you know, we're, we're coming back around at Knights of the Old Republic. I think that this is the time, man. Once... Once I get my PS5, finally, it'll it'll truly be game over. Or game on, you are however so you want close. to say that. You are so close to it, Seamus. Oh, God, I can feel it. Shall we do our pop culture reference? Let's get into it, man. Today's pop culture reference is looking at, at AAA versus indie game developers and studios. So, all video game releases fall into the binary of being developed by either a AAA studio or an indie independent studio. The two major factors creating this binary are the significantly smaller budget and development team sizes that indie studios utilize compared to the massive scale of a AAA studio. The average budget of a AAA game can be in the hundreds of millions of dollars, whereas an indie game can be as low as a few thousand dollars. Oftentimes, an independent studio will also not have the support of a publisher, and will have to self-publish the games on platforms like Steam Greenlight to have a chance at mainstream adoption and ports to other platforms. EA Electronic Arts has an infamous history of adopting and then disbanding once small or independent studios, and may be indicative of a destructive trend in larger AAA studios overall. Over nearly 20 years in the business, EA has shut down such notable studios as DreamWorks Interactive, which made Medal of Honor, Pandemic Studios, which made Battlefront 2 back in 2005, and Visceral Games, the developer behind Dead Space. Some notable indie studios include Hello Games, who is responsible for No Man's Sky, Mojang, which is responsible for the popular Minecraft, and Psionics Games, the developers of Rocket League. Some other notable AAA studios include Rockstar Games, who create GTA and Red Dead Redemption, Ubisoft, who creates the Assassin's Creed franchise, and the Japanese company Capcom, who's responsible for the Resident Evil series. You've also, of course, got those, you know, big name brand AAA game developers like PlayStation Studios or, you know, the biggest game developer of all time, Nintendo. Exactly. It's it's the big name brand ones is they're all pretty much household names, though most of these indie studios have games that are very recognizable. A lot of them go under-recognized because of not being a part of these AAA studios. Absolutely, yeah. Even though oftentimes, like you said about Minecraft, they have a player base as big or bigger than any AAA game. Yeah, definitely. I've I've bought into maybe indie game supremacy i i have had some incredible experiences recently with indie games that i haven't really been getting from a lot of the you know modern warfares or your i don't know i think indie games are definitely underrated especially in a lot of the things you can even get on a playstation right now that are just kind of hidden in the depths of the playstation store you'll take a you'll take a split gate over uh Call of Duty any day of the week, I imagine. Yeah, kind of. I I bought Modern Warfare last week accidentally on Mercari. I didn't realize until it showed up at my door. But I, you know, <laughs> what? I, yeah, I put in a I put in an offer and forgot about it, and then I got it in the mail like a couple days ago, and I threw it in, tried out the campaign, and was instantly bored in the story. And you know, multiplayer is fun, sure, but this man in his 
20s is trying to play a Call of Duty campaign. Bru- that came off hey, how dare you? I, th- the Black Ops 1 campaign is classic. The Modern Warfare 2 campaigns, absolutely a treasure. This one is boring. I would like it if they did a World at War remaster. I'd play that campaign. Oh, wow. That was a, that was a hell of a game, wasn't it? Ugh. Back when Call of Duty was actually about, like, veterans and and trying to honor, like, military service. Oh, goodness. Back in the day, press F to pay respects. Indeed. Yeah, do you have any 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 favorite indies, or do you you prefer a AAA, that polished sheen over everything? I mean, really, to be honest, as somebody who's kind of a casual gamer, most of the time a game is a game to me. Mm. And I, I'm just, I pay very little attention to who's actively developing it. Of course, I know if it's a PlayStation or a Nintendo game or something, I'm diving into, you know, or a Ubisoft game. I can tell because it's trash. Um, <laughs> I liked the new Assassin's Creed. Don't come out. Um, but you know, for the most part, I think I used to play a lot of indie games back when. Well, I guess that's not true. I still play some indie game. I still play a good amount of indie games. I've been getting back into The Witness lately, which is a game oh, I nice. really enjoy. Um, I used to play a lot of Fez, like right when I started college. <laughs> Very nice. So yeah, th- I mean, indie games are often pushing the envelope of gameplay far more than AAA games are. Yeah. They're like, kind of like studio films. They like to play it safe, you know? Yeah, there's definitely a formula you can recognize in a lot of Rockstar and a lot of Ubisoft that they know what, you know, makes them their money and they they like to keep that consistent. But I I think you're right. A lot of indie studios like to play around with what gameplay can offer somebody on a system that can be used for more than just like a regular first person shooter. I was actually listening to a podcast the other day that had nothing to do with assassin's creed but they somehow ended up there (laughs) that's that's pretty good and they were talking about this was um one upsmanship on the small beans podcast oh i just bumped my mic this one this was one upsmanship on the small beans podcast network and they were talking about how the assassin's creed games tried like four or five games ago to make the climbing thoughtful and intentional and challenging i think that's when i dropped it (laughs) Well, that's the thing. They tried to put. Well, that's what I'm saying. They tried to push and change what Assassin's Creed was and g- give it more thought and more um, expansion to what the formula was. And they were just like, "Not nah, better, not though." <laughs> and, now, and now it's just back back to press X until you're at the top of the mountain or the cathedral or the castle or whatever. Yeah, man. Just let me hold R2 and push the forward on my stick. That's all I need. But I like. Um, when those AAA studi- studios do push boundaries, and they so infrequently do it. And I think PlayStation's kind of the notable exception, because they are doing so much all the time. And of course, Nintendo is doing their own thing. Yeah, Nintendo's in its own world, really. They, they're, like, not concerned with the big old console wars. They're just like, we've cornered the Eastern market, and we can make fun family games forever. And I, I mean, I wish I could justify buying a Switch right now, because I would love... <laughs> To get on to like Super Mario Odyssey and a lot Honestly, of these other games. Honestly, Breath, Breath of the of, Wild, I've been trying to get my hands on for ages. Yeah, pushing the boundaries of what those kinds of games are. And I mean, Nintendo, they were the first and they're going to be the last. They're going to outlive oh, yeah. us all. Oh, yeah. The, co- the PlayStation Xbox will have killed each other eons <laughs> ago. And Nintendo Mutually will still be assured destruction. Good Mario platforms. Exactly, exactly. But yeah, I think that wraps us up for this segment, yeah? I think so. Why don't we why don't we dive into the old rec center? 
now it's time to save the rec center, where we bring you our weekly recommendations. Seamus, what do you got this week? This week, I have just recently been, I'm already halfway through it at this point, I've been getting into a Netflix docuseries about the Rajneesh Param cult in Oregon in the 1970s and 80s. And it is a wild ride, Garrett, let me tell you. It's a documentary series, I think it's only seven episodes, uh, Netflix original, a Duplass Brothers production, so you know it's going to be quality. The documentary is called Wild Wild Country, and it's just the most bizarre cult documentary about a cult I never heard of in my life, even though it like kind of was huge news back then. Um, I think it came out in like 2018 or 2019, so it's a few years old, but it's entirely bizarre and entirely interesting to watch. So if you got a little time for hour-long episodes and you want to get creeped out by this weird... Indian cult in Oregon, just give it a shot. How did you stumble upon that, Seamus? What led you to this? Uh, what led me to this? I think it was like a random uh, recommended YouTube video about a girl talking to a camera about this cult while putting on makeup, and I watched enough of that sure. <laughs> where I got interested, <laughs> and Caro uh, found this documentary that was on Netflix about him, and it's just absolutely bizarre uh i'm we're on a little bit of a cult thing lately we watched a jonestown thing the other day we're just kind of getting deep on that but these guys you know i think it's a lot less mass suicide so it's a little less horrifying but it's still like entirely whacked out and bizarre so fascinating yeah it's 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 real weird but again it's the duplass brothers and they do a good uh disturbing documentary so give it a shot but what do you got this week for, for me, Garrett? If you like white boy brother duo filmmakers <laughs> and, and you want the exact opposite of experience of learning about a horrific real-life cult, <laughs> I recently rewatched the Coen Brothers classic Raising Arizona, their yeah. sophomore outings starring Nicolas Cage and Holly Hunter, uh, also starring John Goodman. And I was just, I was tired the other night. I just wanted to turn something on and relax and so i popped on raising arizona and i haven't seen it since high school i don't think and i love that movie it's so good i cannot believe that they were making it for probably as small a budget one as they were making it for Mm. and two that they had only directed one movie beforehand because it is so clean and funny and original it has such a explicit voice that is so cohen's so out like out the gate that they know exactly what kind of filmmakers they are and what their tone and their editing style is. And Nick Cage is giving an excellent performance. I think this and Wild at Heart would be an absolutely insane, mm. unhinged Cage double <laughs> feature about um, a- outlaw 90s Nick Cage and his wife navigating the perils of young love and lawbreaking except handled in entirely different styles. So, you know, it's a film that I've always kind of held dear, and I think it's a really interesting, fun, compelling experience with a surprising amount of depth for, you know, what is essentially a live-action cartoon. Yeah, man, that's a movie I haven't seen in absolute ages, but it's a classic. It's so quotable. I love Nick Cage to death in anything, but in this, it's, it's just a wild ride, of course. It has that, like, 
Yeah, it's like a natural born killer's vibe of like a couple flying by the seat of their pants, kind of, but like a lot more charming, I feel like, a lot more. <laughs> you think? Yeah, obviously, it's a lot more charming and a lot more, you know, like you said, you put it on to like relax. You were just kind of chilling, and it's that kind of movie where it's entirely entertaining and completely engaging when you want to when you want it to be and then you could also just put it on as kind of a comfort thing because you know it's great and it'll just have those moments going for you to enjoy as they happen so that's that's a real good one man there's what's right and there's what's right never the twain shall meet Seamus <laughs> I, 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 what's burned in my head is Nick Cage reaching out of his car to swipe a package of Huggies off a street as oh. he drives off what a chad um. An incredibly compelling action sequence at the midpoint of that film is just largely Nick Cage running down streets with a pair of pantyhose on the <laughs> Oh, man. But I think that wraps us up this week. If you want to reach the show, you could hit us up on Instagram at PCR underscore podcast, on Twitter at PCR underscore podcast, and on TikTok at PCR underscore podcast. Absolutely, you can. And you can also shoot us an email if you'd like at popculturereferencepod at gmail.com if you want to give us any comments or complaints. I don't know what you'd be complaining about, but if you live in Columbus, Ohio, (laughs) please reach out because we have a weird listenership in Columbus, Ohio, and I'd like to figure out who the hell is listening out there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like us, rate us, subscribe, leave a comment if you're on YouTube. Next week, we're going to be either covering, it sounds like, Netflix's Kate, which we pushed this week, or Malignant, the new James Wan film, which we just found out is streaming on HBO Max. So, Seamus and I will deliberate. Or maybe it'll be a third thing that'll surprise us all again. Maybe. Who knows? (laughs) Maybe Xbox will be like, surprise, we did a six-hour Indiana Jones (laughs) trailer deep dive, and it's coming Uh, out. Cloverfield Paradox style, you can play Indiana Jones right now. Like, you can uh... stream it to your PlayStation somehow. <laughs> yeah, <don't>... sure. <laughs> but yeah, well, well, if you have an opinion on what we should cover next week, and if you're tired of us surprising you like this, go ahead. <laughs> Reach out to us through email or on social media and let us know what you think we should be covering next week. All right, but until then, have have a good week, folks. Adios, amigos.